Today is Thursday, March the 2nd, 2023, and it's a great day to have a day here on the Spurs Up show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. On today's show, the best rivalry in all of college baseball returns as South Carolina takes on the Clemsucks Tigers this weekend in a best of three series beginning tomorrow night. Guys, we'll break down the series in its entirety. First things first, I'll talk the Tigers. They're pitching, they're hitting. Also, of course, South Carolina, the starting rotation for the weekend, what to watch for, key player of the series, and I'll also lock in my prediction as well. Also, we transition from the diamond to the hardwood as I look back on Tuesday night Corkcocks falling to Mississippi State in their final SEC road contest of the regular season we also look ahead to this weekend as South Carolina wraps up the regular season of conference play also of course we'll briefly touch on South Carolina women's basketball as the SEC tournament in Greenville South Carolina begins tomorrow for Dawn Staley and the Lady Gamecocks guys also got a great conversation Mike Rooney of D1Baseball.com. He joined me for a great convo to discuss all things Yardcocks, the series this weekend, SEC and National College Baseball as a whole. Guys, we have got a packed show for you here on this Thursday. And of course, as always, it's brought to you by our friends over at Price Picks. Go down to the Price Picks app or go to pricepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TS. U.S. to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Price Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. Here's how it works, guys. You pick two to six players, and you can win it to 10 times on any entry. Price Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi-entry, guys. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mixed sport entry. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes. You can play college sports, pro sports. And, guys, we have entered the month of March, which means March Madness is officially around the corner. Also, we've got MLB upcoming. There are tons of sports to bet on and play. And I know you'll be playing your spreads, your totals, your futures, what have you. You want to make sure you're signed up with Price Picks because you can make a ton of money with our friends over at Price Picks, as so many already have. They got a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the App Store and Go Play, and they're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store. 
with rave reviews. So guys, again, that's our friends over at Price Picks. Go download the Price Picks app or go to pricepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it. rivalries out there sure across all different sports but South Carolina Clem sucks on the diamond it's more than just the best rivalry in all of college baseball heck it's more than just a rivalry it's something you live with 300 and 65 days a year. And for the Gamecocks, after being swept a season ago by the Tigers, it's safe to say that this weekend, well, this weekend is personal. Ladies and gents, boys and girls, happy Thursday. Hope you're all doing well. Chris Phillips here, your host of the Spurs Up show as always. I'm fired up here on this Thursday and appreciate you all tuning in. I hope this show does find you well. No matter where you are, what you are doing, we have got a lot to get into. We've got a lot to discuss here on this Thursday. And again, I hope you're all having a fantastic week. Again, very excited to chat with each and every Single one of you, we're talking baseball, we're talking basketball as we creep closer and closer to a very exciting weekend. Before we do, guys, a couple of quick updates and housekeeping items, reminders more so, if you will. Uh, first thing, of course, many of you have asked my plans for this weekend in regards to the South Carolina Sucks baseball series. In case you have missed it, we will be live for all three games doing our live stream watch-alongs for the South Carolina Clemsuck series the same way that you watch the Daily Crow. That is how we'll go live. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. We'll probably start at about five minutes before first pitch or right at first pitch, and that will run all the way through the entire game. If you were not familiar, if you did not watch back in 2021, we did did these. The setup is very simple. Yours truly, I'll just be watching the game. I will not have the stream of the game, unfortunately, on the screen because that is illegal and they will rip down the stream if we were to do that. So I will not have the actual game on screen, but we'll be able to watch the game together. I will keep you updated in regards to our bottom line ticker. I will have the score up there that I will update after every scoring play and after every inning, of course, but uh, going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be a value add for our audience, going to be a value add for you guys, just me being plugged in, locked in, in the studio, being able to cover each and every single game 
team at a much, much higher level than honestly if I was there in person. So again, really, really excited for it. We also might do uh, a little bit of like post-game show, post-game reaction on the live stream watch along as soon as the game ends. But again, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really Really genuinely excited for it, guys, and looking forward to it. And again, I hope you will all join us, have the game pulled up, have our live stream pulled up, and you can watch yours truly live react to the game as it is happening. Again, going to be a ton of fun. Also, guys, just one quick update, of course. The Daily Crow already mentioned it earlier this week, but in case you missed it, TDC tomorrow will air 10 to 12 instead of noon to 2. 10 to 12 instead of noon to 2 because women's basketball tips off in the SEC tournament tomorrow at noon. So obviously did not want to go live during the game, want to be mindful of their game, and we're going to be tuned in watching that. So I figured why not? We can do TDC beforehand. 10 to 12 will be live. We'll be talking about the game, breaking it all down, because at that point, right, right now, we don't know who the Gamecocks are going to play. We will know at that point who South Carolina will face off against either going to be Arkansas or Mizzou in their first game of the SEC tournament at Bon Secours Wellness Arena in Greenville, South Carolina. So TDC tomorrow morning, get your coffee and jump in with us. going to be a lot of fun as it'll be game day for both baseball and women's basketball. And then, of course, men's basketball will play on Saturday as well. So, of course, content bleeding out of the eyeballs. A very exciting weekend. And without further ado, guys, let's go ahead and dive into it. The best rivalry in all the college baseball takes center stage this weekend. The three-game series between South Carolina and Sucks tomorrow night at 6 o'clock, Saturday at 1, and Sunday at 1.30. The three games, of course, guys, you all know the format at this point, but the games tomorrow night will be at Sucks On Saturday, Floor Field in Greenville, South Carolina for the neutral site game. And then, of course, on Sunday, the Gamecocks will host the ball game at Founders Park in the series finale. In regards to streaming, ACC Network Extra tomorrow night and then SCC Network Plus for the Saturday and Sunday games. When you dive into Clem Sucks, guys, of course, the Tigers of the ACC, the big storyline of their program and their season, Eric Backage back in Clem Sucks, his first season as their head coach, which was a great hire, I thought. Honestly, I think Backage is a really good coach. I think he'll probably have a lot of success there coming over from Michigan to Clem Sucks, a program once very proud, obviously, that had fallen off under Monty Lee, who is now on the Gamecock staff, that we will touch on that storyline in just a little bit. But Eric Backage in year one, and what realistically are the expectations for the Tigers in year one. You look at D1Baseball.com, they did not have Clem Sucks making the postseason. So, uh, Eric Backage trying to surprise and trying to overachieve a bit in year one by making the postseason and making a splash in the ACC. But they are off to a rough start this year. The Tigers started out 4-0. You know, things look to be good. Smooth sailing on their side of things. The Tigers have dropped their last four games in a row, sit 4-4 four and four overall. Of course, we all know over the weekend, UCF, went into Doug Kingsmore Stadium, took all three games, and effectively ran down the hill, which sent the Tigers fan base into a complete tailspin. And then the really, you know, if you don't follow college baseball closely, I guess you would say it's a really surprising result, but give USC Upstate credit. They're actually a pretty solid ball club, uh, but they took down Clem Sucks for just the second time in program history on Tuesday night at Fleur Field. So they're programming a bit of disarray right now, and their fan base is dejected as we head into the weekend, sitting four and four 
overall. Let's break down the Tigers. They're pitching, they're hitting. We'll start on the bump. They feature a 4.31 staff ERA coming into this weekend. When you look at the bullpen, the big names, Willie Weiss, the the Michigan transfer who followed Backage down to Clemson. And then Joe Allen has been their top bullpen arm. Uh, When you look at the statistics, been pretty good for the Tigers, if I can get this pulled up here. Yeah, Joe Allen, four appearances, a 1.69 ERA and five and a third innings pitched. He's given up just three hits and one earned run, seven strikeouts to two walks, uh, allowing hitters to hit just 176 against him. But Clemson's pitchers allowing batters to hit 273 against them. It's been a really tough start for this pitching staff. And you look at D1Baseball.com's preseason breakdown and, you know, their comments on the Tigers, there wasn't a whole lot about the pitching. And the number one thing they kept saying about Clemson's over and over and over again was the lack of star power and just not having those big names, right? How South Carolina's got the Will Sanders as the headliner and Noah Hall and and Jack Mahoney and Kate Austin and just you have these established names. Clem Sucks did not have that. And you kind of expect that, right, in the first year of a new head coach. Doesn't have a, have his players in there yet. And, you know, some guys leave, some guys hit the portal, what have you. But, uh, you know, it's been tough sledding on the bump. You look at the starting rotation for Clem Sucks, our projected starting rotation for the weekend. This is what they've been rolling with the first couple of weekends. Uh, tomorrow night, the Tigers are rolling with right-handed pitcher Jay Dill, 1-0 with a 6.14 ERA. On Saturday, it'll be right-handed pitcher Austin Gordon, who is 0-0 with a 6.10 ERA. And then on Sunday in the final game, lefty Ryan Ammons, 1-0 with a 2.70 ERA. So some high ERAs for your starters. Um, but either way, you know, again, Clem Sucks has struggled a bit but uh, some capable guys for sure. They've got some capable arms, but right now it's really just for them figuring out who are the guys they can depend on and who's going to be consistent for them, and they're having trouble early on establishing that. You look at the UCF series, and they got hit around pretty well, especially on Saturday and on Sunday. We can take a look at the offensive side of things for Clem Sucks. Been a little bit better, hitting 311 as a team. You look at their players to watch for, it all starts with infielder Blake Wright, a fantastic player, hitting 433, two home runs, and nine RBI. You then look at infielder Caden Grice, and he had had a bit of a down year last year, but a big-bodied left-handed hitter. Sort of reminds you of a Gavin Cassis, if you will, their version, hitting 333 right now, no homers and one RBI, but he is a dangerous stick every time he gets in there. And then infielder Cam Canarella, who was a true freshman, guys, right? The Gamecocks have Ethan Petrie and what he's doing as a true freshman. Clem Sucks has got their own version to a degree. He's hitting 464 as a true freshman, no home runs, and seven RBI. But again, this is a Clem Sucks team that in year one of Eric Backage, you know, you're just trying to figure out who your studs are, right? They lost a couple of guys offensively from last year's team. And right, they swept the Gamecocks, but they were not very good. Uh, kind of similar to South Carolina. One more games in the non-conference around 30, I believe it was 34 overall wins. Yeah, they, okay. So 35 and 23 is what Clem Sucks finished last year, but 13 and 16 in the ACC. So they're looking for that rebound year, also in the first year of a new head coach. And so certainly that's going to be something, that's a storyline, a big one to follow. And Eric Backage is looking for, you know, a bounce back, if you will, and sort of a signature series win early in his tenure. Certainly beating the Gamecocks would fall in that category. Guys, let's transition over to the South Carolina side of things. Of course, it'll be the same rotation as we've seen through the first two weekends with Sanders, Hall, Mahoney, and you feel good about all three of those guys taking the bump for you. And as we move into what to watch for, our top storylines, if you will, I start with this, guys, and I know I'm repeating myself. I sound like a broken record, but the best 
rivalry in all of college baseball. And guys, I, I almost feel for people that are not, you know, into baseball, that don't follow baseball. Like, of course, they follow football. Like, there's a lot of people that probably will not be tuned in this weekend that, you know, tune into the football side of things. And that's totally fine, right? I've, I've embraced that, you know, college football is king. That's what moves the needle when it comes to content, when it comes to business, when it just comes to, you know, overall engagement, if you will, that, that, that nothing is going to touch what football provides. But if you've never taken a moment to, number one, attend this thing in person, or just even number two, just tune into it, I highly suggest you do because this is not just some other series. There's a reason that it's touted as the best rivalry in all of college baseball and admittedly has the rivalry. Has it fallen off some in recent years because the two teams have struggled? The two teams have not been uh, what they've traditionally been. Admittedly, that is the case, right? Because you think about like the mid 2000s and I think about you know, again, when I first became a Gamecock fan in end of 2002, beginning of 2003, I was 11 or 12 or so when it really clicked. And, you know, I sort of became that diehard. My blood turned garnet, if you will. And I recall watching South Carolina and Clem Sucks play. And, you know, these were top 10 matchups. One year, I think it was a, a one versus two, top five matchups, what have you. So, you know, when you have those type of games, and of course, the two teams meeting in Omaha, I mean, you think about the history and you think about, you think about just, what this rivalry means, right? It doesn't even matter the sport. I mean, the Gamecocks could beat Clem Sucks in cornhole. They could beat them in ping pong, and we're going to celebrate it. We don't care what it is. But when you talk about rivalries and you talk about great series, I mean, this is one that just, it, it's South Carolina, it's Clem Sucks, it's the Gamecocks, it's the Tigers, enough said. Do I even really need to say more? I mean, the intensity, it, it's got a super regional type of feel hanging on every single pitch. And, you know, while it's a series that does not determine how your season's going to go, because a great example, you look at the 2010 season, right? When the Gamecocks uh, dropped two of three in that season and, and lost the Sunday game like 19 to six at Founders Park. And of course, went on to, to take down the Tigers twice in Omaha and win the national championship. You know, especially in this season, and I think what it means for both sides, right? Eric Backage and his squad coming off the sweep against UCF, and, you know, their fan base is down and out and dejected early on in the season, and they need something to feel good about. And then you look at the Gamecock side of thing. I mean, my goodness, we talk about the pressures of Mark Kingston. You've started out 9-0, and and, you know, how quickly those good feelings of that 9-0 and start can be undone if you were to somehow drop this series to your arch rival. So because of all that, all that on the line, the emotions, the great players, the stories, the memories, the history, you know, South Carolina beating Clem sucks in Omaha. And again, the tradition of both sides, it is without a doubt the best rivalry in college baseball. And I cannot wait to take in another chapter of it moving forward guys. And I just kind of touched on it. Something else I'm looking forward to another big storyline is it's just a tale of two teams, you know, early on in 2023. Gamecocks, of course, like I mentioned, sitting 9-0 and currently. Clem sucks at 4-4. Four and four. So you got one side, our side in South Carolina, that's feeling confident, feeling good, got our swag, got our moxie. You know, South Carolina rolling in. I think fans are rolling in, expecting at minimum to win two of three. I mean, I've seen people, guys, already this week saying that, you know, if we don't sweep, it's disappointing. If we drop even a single game, it'll be a disappointing weekend. And I'm just kind of, you know, I kind of – it's it's an interesting place to be in, and I sort of cringe when I hear that because you should never reach a point where winning a series is somehow a disappointing weekend. I mean, I get it. You know, if you're up 2-0 and you drop the final game at home, would it be disappointing? Sure. But, uh, I mean, of course, I think we all realize you win the series, it's a successful weekend. But really just a tale of two teams, right? South Carolina in that series last weekend against Penn, you know, you got two one-run games, and you're just you're finding ways to win games. And Clem sucks, it seems, right now. 
they're finding ways to lose games. I mean, I mean certainly you get swept by a mid-major. You, you lose on Tuesday to USC Upstate. You got to wonder what the psyche is of that Clem sucks team right now and just sort of how they're feeling. I know how, you know, we, we've, we've seen and heard from the fans and they're dejected. They're down and out. Like I mentioned, they feel like they'd be lucky to win a game, but uh, you know, you, you got to think that they'll give you your best shot this weekend. No doubt. Uh, something else to keep an eye on guys, you know, normally we're talking on the field, but uh, the weather, the weather for tomorrow has become a bit of a storyline as I pull up weather.com right now. I'm actively actually doing this as we are chatting. This is, the most up-to-date weather report for Friday, because that is the game that seems to be in the most jeopardy of not being played or being moved or what have you. It does look like the the forecast is actually getting better. So when you look at the weather Friday in Clem Sucks or tomorrow, if you will, uh, a chance of rain of 80% during the day. There is a potential for severe thunderstorms. This is per weather.com. But at night, that goes down to 40%. It says rain showers in the evening, then clear overnight. Uh, temperature around 50 degrees. So uh, the game, I would not be surprised if it got started later than expected. I would be not be surprised if we did not hit that 6 o'clock first pitch. But, I mean, you got to think they will do everything in their power to get this game. And I know some people have brought up 2021 and the way that they, they moved game one to the midweek later in the season. I, I just – I think that'd be a terrible idea. I, I think it just kind of kills the, the 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 weekend series vibe, if you will. And, um, you know, I mean, I guess they'll do what they have to do. But I, I think it'd be smart. I think it'd be cool to play Saturday, Sunday, Monday. But I think most case or most likely what will happen is they will try to just delay this thing as far as they can into Friday night and then go throughout the rest of the series as scheduled. But certainly it's something to keep an eye on as we approach first pitch tomorrow night getting on the field in the actual matchup guys big storyline of what I'm watching for is on the Gamecock side of things the starting rotation has been absolutely fantastic between Will Sanders Noah Hall and Jack Mahoney you know the starting rotation with the Gamecocks looks to shine and when you look at if you were going to go down a list and check off where does South Carolina have the advantage where does Clem Sucks have the advantage I think you'd look at starting pitching you look at the pitching staff as a whole you look at the bullpen you check off the Gamecocks I'm really excited and treated again to see and to continue to see this pitching dominate, right? To see this pitching dominate. Right now, you enter the weekend a 1.88 staff ERA. You know, I'm really excited to watch Will Sanders, right? He was good last week in five innings pitch, zero earned runs, but wasn't quite as efficient as what like a Noah Hall did, for example, or even what Jack Mahoney's done. So, you know, getting Will Sanders really going, getting, seeing that dominant version of Will Sanders come out, I think will be big. But, you know, you have a pitching staff and those three guys, I'd put your pitching staff up against anybody in college baseball. And if they're on their game, I mean, it's going to be really, really tough for Clem Sucks to get anything going offensively because you got to think, right? They're sitting at four and four. And they haven't even seen nearly the best competition they're going to face. I mean, South Carolina, uh, much better than anyone Clem Sucks has fielded to this point. So, again, I'm going to be really excited to watch all three of those guys spin the baseball. And then, of course, we just talked in the bullpen uh, what you've got there featuring Matthew Becker, Kate Austin, Chris Veach, Brett Thomas, uh, you know, Nick Proctor. The, the list goes on and on and on of guys, of capable guys, of, of, of high-quality arms that you will see this weekend. And certainly I'm leaving so many of those guys off. But you all know uh, the list of names that I'm referring to. Uh, moving from the bump to the offensive side for the Gamecocks, you know, I, I think what's interesting right now, you know, South Carolina in the midweek gets the dub 11-3. It was a little bit more difficult than you would have preferred. I mean, the midweek, guys, a win is a win is a win, right? I know we don't spend a lot of time talking about midweeks much anymore here on the podcast. We do on the Daily Crow. 
but you beat North Carolina A&T 11-3. A dub is a dub is a dub in the midweek, right? You're trying different guys out. You're admittedly not throwing your best arms. You know, you're giving some different guys different looks, different opportunities, what have you. But, uh, you know, you're noticing a trend of late, right? The Gamecocks aren't scoring 20 runs a game anymore. There have been some issues in regards to runners left on base and, you know, situational hitting, runners in scoring position. And you were able to somehow, some way in that final game of the Penn Series, strand 19 runners and still win the ball game. Go 0 for 7 with the bases loaded and still win the ball game. You're not going to be able to cheat death forever. And does it bite you this weekend? It may not. It may not. If you don't hit with runners in scoring position again, you might still win the series. Heck, you might still sweep. But at some point, that's going to come back to bite you. And so you just wonder if that trend continues. Will this be the weekend? You know, sitting there probably the sixth or seventh inning of that North Carolina A&T game, I was thinking to myself, I don't like the way that this team is trending offensively. I don't like the feeling that you sort of, you know, you blew it out in the first weekend, and since then it just has not been the same. And I understand the competition's gotten better and all that, but, you know, you want to see in a series like this, guys, as the competition gets better, but certainly in a rivalry series where the emotions are swirling and both sides want to win so badly, it is truly about the fundamentals and about the little things, right? Elite pitching, great defense, and timely hitting. Not just hitting, but timely hitting. Who is able to get that big knock with two outs? Who is able to make that big pitch, right? Who is able to not shoot themselves in the foot, not give up walks, whether it be a leadoff walk, a two-out walk, not make that critical error? It comes down to those things in a series like this. And so hitting with runners in scoring position, I know Monty Lee and his presser yesterday said it's one of those things where you don't want to preach it because you get to a certain point where you preach it so much that you get in your guys' heads. And I totally understand what he's saying, right? Because you can almost make it too much of a point of emphasis where you are fearing failure more than you are going to the plate thinking you're going to succeed, right? So the runners in scoring position, hitting with runners in scoring position, that's obviously going to be a point of emphasis and something we're all going to be keeping a very, very close eye on. And finally, guys, in our top storylines and things we're watching for, I just mentioned his name and I did save it for last, but the dynamic of this year's rivalry series and admittedly, I thought this would play much bigger. I thought it'd be a much bigger storyline coming into this weekend. But I think the big reason it's not is this. I mean, you think about the Clemsucks transfers first. Uh, Ricky Williams is out for the season having Tommy John surgery. So he's a non-factor in this series. Jonathan French is not a starter and Dylan Brewer is practically not even playing anymore. So I don't know if any of the former Clemsucks guys are even going to get an opportunity to make an impact. So I'm not sure how much of a storyline that really is in this weekend anymore. I will say the Monty Lee dynamic, that is one that is really, really interesting. Again, I think it goes to show uh, South Carolina got out ahead of it with Monty Lee speaking to the media yesterday. And, you know, he said all the right things. And, of course, Coach Lee was a Gamecock first. So, you know, he's got great perspective. He's been on both sides. And, again, I thought he answered the questions beautifully in regards to, you know, this weekend and what it means to him and just kind of the, the interesting dynamic, if you will. But it is certainly something to keep in mind. You know, I think he made a great point in regards to, you know, once once this series gets underway, it's it's really not about Monty Lee anymore. It's about the players on the field. They're the ones that, that are handling the baseball, that are swinging the bat, if you will, that are making the plays. So, But it is certainly cool. It's definitely a different dynamic. And I think, honestly, guys, it puts more pressure on the Gamecocks. I mean, admittedly, I think more pressure is on South Carolina than Clem sucks this weekend because especially the way that the Tigers have started the season – 
nobody from their side is expecting to win this thing except the guys in their clubhouse and their coaching staff and all of that. Um, you know, South Carolina, after getting swept last year and then, you know, going and picking up Clem Sucks's, you know, fired head coach and multiple players from their roster. You know, I think it's very important to get this series victory, if not sweep this weekend. And certainly, again, there's always pressure. But when you think about what's going on in the Gamecock side of things with Mark Kingston and how important this year is, uh, I think you'd be doing yourself a lot of favors if you're Kingston and company to get this one under your belt. Guys, let's move into key player of this weekend. And there's so many guys that you can pick here. Uh, I'm going to stick on the offensive side for South Carolina. I feel good about the pitching. Uh, I think everybody will do their part and hold their own. You know, when I look at the offensive side, who is the guy that, you know, I, I'd like to see really get going and I think could be the catalyst of the weekend? I'm going with Caleb Denny, the Oral Roberts transfer. I feel like Denny, for the most part, has been the most consistent piece of your offense. And so having him right there in what, the the, the two or the three hole, if you will, and, and the five hole, wherever they want to put him, but having that consistency at the top of your lineup is something this lineup continues to need to have. So I think Caleb Denny, I'm going to label him your key player of the weekend. Again, there's so many different guys. It's tough in baseball, right, to just identify one. But Caleb Denny is certainly someone I could see be making a big impact and could be labeled as sort of a hero at this weekend's end. And with that being said, guys, let's move into my – Prediction, will the Gamecocks get their revenge from a season ago after being swept? Or will Clem Sucks make it two straight series victories over South Carolina? And when you take a look at this one, guys, you know, we're all feeling confident coming in the weekend as we all should, right? You look at the struggles of Clem Sucks, what they're dealing with. I mean, again, guys, admittedly, I didn't think the Tigers were going to be very good this season anyways. And that has certainly been proven right over the first couple of weeks or so. I mean, they, they've been much worse than I expected. I did not see a sweep to UCF on their home field coming. I certainly didn't see a loss to USC Upstate, although I did warn people on Tuesday, hey, do not be surprised if USC Upstate makes this a really close game and maybe even wins the game. So you look at this, and of course, South Carolina off that 9-0 start. Most people are looking at this saying, oh, no-brainer, Gamecocks get the sweep. You know, don't even think about it twice. I will just warn against that with this. When I look at Clem Sucks, you got to think they're coming into this weekend as a desperate team, right? A desperate group of Tigers. And a desperate team can be a dangerous team. Because you've got nothing to lose, right? You're letting it all hang out. And like I mentioned earlier, it kind of feels like all the pressure is on South Carolina. Like, you're expected to win. If South Carolina were to drop two of three or even worse, it would be a massive, massively disappointing weekend at this point. And we talked about this in the preseason, right? Why it's important, you know, adding Monty Lee, adding the Clemsucks transfers, and it being year one of Eric Backage. And I think most fans would agree that this is one there's no excuse not to win this series, right? I think most fans would agree with that sentiment. With that being said, again, the Gamecocks, one of nine teams in college baseball that remain that are still undefeated. South Carolina is going to lose a game at some point. And like I mentioned, this is a desperate Clem Sucks team that the Gamecocks will be facing. I am very tempted to pick South Carolina to sweep because I think you look at it. I, I think it's a bold prediction to say that they'll lose one of the three games because it's like, which starting pitcher are you picking against? Will Sanders, the first rounder? 
Noah Hall, who was just absolutely masterful last weekend and all he does is pitch well and win ball games, or Jack Mahoney, who has some of the most electric stuff on the pitching staff. Like, who are you going to pick against, right? I mean, the Gamecocks, as I mentioned before, guys, last weekend, even if you're not elite swinging the stick, even if you don't hit with runners in scoring position, your pitching is that good that you can still, at minimum, win the series. And that will be the case every single weekend. And I know, again, people look at the schedule, like Clemson's got swept by UCF, just lost to Upstate. This is a no-brainer. Baseball's got a funny way, though, of, you know, you have to expect the unexpected. And at the end of the day, is Clemson's very good? No. Is South Carolina a better baseball team? Yes. But at the end of the day, this is still a rivalry series. And like I said, I think you've got to expect the unexpected. So I do think Clemson's will take a game. I don't know which game it is. I, I I don't I do not know. It is a bold take, like I said, which hey, I'm known for my bold takes. I do think Clem Sucks will steal a game. Also, guys, the Gamecocks aren't going undefeated, right? Yardcocks aren't going undefeated. News flash, which is okay, but they're not. But I do think South Carolina will win two of three. I think they get the revenge. I do think the Monty Lee factor is big this weekend because, guys, he said all the right things yesterday, but he wants to kick their ass, right? The team that just fired him, he wants to beat their ass. There's no question about it. So I I think the Gamecocks will get the series. I'm picking them officially to win two of three. Would it shock me if South Carolina swept? Absolutely not. The Gamecocks are the better ball club, guys, top to bottom. And I think it. here's the thing. You get to Sunday 2-0, I think you win it. I think you sweep the series. I don't see the Gamecocks losing at Founders Park. So I think if they do drop a game, it's either going to be tomorrow night in Clemsucks or in Greenville, which has been a tricky place. I mean, it's been a tricky place for South Carolina to play. There's a reason why Gamecock fans bitched and moaned and wanted the game moved and didn't want the, the neutral site game in Greenville every year. It's because we weren't winning up there, right? So with that being said, South Carolina wins the series. I'm extremely confident they'll at minimum win the series. I think everybody should be confident, could definitely get the sweep. I'll go on record, though, and say Gamecocks win two of three in maybe a series that's much more competitive than people are expecting. I mean, again, I, I know people are expecting Clem sucks is just down and out. They're not going to win any more games, but uh, it's never as good as it seems, never as bad as it seems. I think Clem sucks will actually bounce back, play their tails off, and play with nothing to lose and, and play sort of desperate, like I mentioned. But Carolina, all in all, does take two of three and does take back the state on the diamond. So, guys, that's my full breakdown of the rivalry series this week. And we'd love to hear your thoughts. Gamecocks, Clem sucks. Get it going tomorrow night at Doug Kingsmore Stadium. Let's move off of the diamond and on the hardwood. South Carolina falling to Mississippi State on Tuesday night. The men, 74 to 68 losers at the hump. Uh, my biggest takeaway from the game, guys, South Carolina, I think this offseason, it's just, it's just, imperative they find answers down low. You just don't have a dependable big guy that that can realistically give you what you need on a night-in, night-out basis. Also, for whatever reason, the turnovers. By the way, Mississippi State's a sneaky good team. Let's give them credit. But the turnovers absolutely kill you in the ballgame, and uh, you just don't have the supporting cast, man. You know, I look back. What's funny, guys, I look back at my season predictions for this year, right? Because I was thinking about, like, what would you grade year one of Lamont Paris? I know it's not over yet, but it's like, what would you grade it? Did, you know, were, were we that far off? Were our expectations fair? 
And mine were, you know, I, I think mine were pretty fair. I had six and 12 in SEC play, which is obviously overshooting it. But if you beat Georgia on Saturday, you get to four. So not that far off. But I had you 17 and 14 overall. I had you being much, much better in the non-conference. So, uh, you know, a season in which you were picked to finish dead last, you're not going to finish dead last. That will be LSU. Um you know, I, I don't know. We'll have more of those discussions next week after the regular season is over. But uh, Gigi Jackson, our player of the game, 22 points, eight rebounds, two assists. You look at what's next for South Carolina. They take on, like I mentioned, the Georgia Bulldogs Saturday, March the 4th, a 1 o'clock tip-off on SEC Network, which, you know, is really unfortunate for Lamont Paris's squad because that game taking place at 1. The baseball game also starts at 1. I don't know how many folks are really going to be paying attention to the basketball game versus the baseball game. Also, the women in their tournament will be playing that day. So, um, yeah. Anyways, the season will mercifully come to an end on Saturday, but uh, just another tough night. South Carolina was fighting, though. You got to give them credit. Fought in that game against Mississippi State, but just unfortunately not enough down the stretch. And also, guys, there's a lot on the line on Saturday. You're looking for you have not won an SEC home game. All season long. So, you know, I know our expectations were low for year one, but not being able to even scratch out one win on your home floor in the SEC, I'm not sure I saw that coming. So we'll see what the Gamecocks can do on Saturday. Again, a 1 o'clock tip-off on SEC Network. Finally, guys, I just definitely want to highlight that the SEC Women's Basketball Tournament begins tomorrow for South Carolina. Of course, I mentioned at the top of the show, tip-off is at noon, hence why we're moving TDC from noon to 2 to 10 to 12. But the Gamecocks will play the winner of Missouri and Arkansas. So no matter who wins that game, it's going to be a really fun matchup. We all know about South Carolina's history with, with Mizzou when it comes to women's basketball. And then, of course, Arkansas, a pretty solid team this year. But I think we all expect the Gamecocks to have a very fun weekend and, and win the whole thing. And, and that'll certainly be the goal and the objective, especially after last year when Kentucky knocked you out in this tournament. So it's going to be a hell of a weekend. Should be a lot of fun. Guys, that's going to do it all for me. I appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you all so much for the continued love, support. Uh, from the podcast side of the business, the Daily Crow, the merchandise, everything we've got going on, a lot of exciting things happening behind the scenes. And I'm so grateful for each and every single one of you that tune in because TSUS would not be what it is and or what it is becoming. So again, thank you all so much. We'd love to hear your thoughts, by the way. Everything Court Cox, everything Yard Cox as we go into Rivalry Weekend. And then also Dawn Staley and her squad as they embark on postseason play but don't go anywhere guys got a great conversation mike rooney of d1baseball.com the d1baseball.com guys they do a great job so getting mike on the show was a no-brainer so really excited for you to hear that again guys thank you all so much appreciate you all tuning in have a great rest of your thursday and enjoy this conversation with mike rooney of d1baseball.com all right guys joining us today on the spurs up show in light of this weekend, rivalry weekend across college baseball, we've got Georgia, Georgia Tech, Florida, Miami, just to name a couple, but the best rivalry. Yeah, I said the best rivalry in college baseball will take center stage this weekend. Gamecocks taking on the Tigers tomorrow night at Doug Kingsmore Stadium, Saturday in Greenville, and then Sunday at Founders Park for the series finale. I felt like who better to bring on to help us break it all down then Mike Rooney of d1baseball.com Mike appreciate you taking the time man it is a pleasure to have you on thank you so much for doing this yeah you got it Chris no looking forward to it absolutely so let's go ahead let's start 
more so big picture, obviously the national college baseball landscape. And I want to switch gears a little bit. Uh, Your overall thoughts on the new rules in baseball with the shortening of games. You know, we saw it more prevalent, I think, on opening weekend in college baseball at some of the big tournaments as well, like the the pitch clocks and the hitter clocks, whatever, and, and some very interesting situations. And there's a lot of people on social media with reactions. We saw it in spring training as well with the Braves and Red Sox, and it's bottom of the ninth tie game, bases loaded, three, two count, two outs, and they get a delay and they call strike three. Your overall thoughts on the changes of the game, I think we're starting to actually see some positive benefits from it because – Again, you're in the game, you love the game, I played the game, in the game, love the game, and I think we can all admit, if we're honest with ourselves, you know, I know there's those baseball purists that are like, hey, it could take six hours and we're going to watch every pitch, And but, you know, I think there's something to be said about a pace of play and, and making the game more attractive in that way, not necessarily, not necessarily saying, like, we need the game to be two hours to enjoy it, but I think there's a balance. You're just overall thoughts on how they're handling that and the overall changes we're seeing in both college baseball and pro baseball. Yeah, I would say, um, you know, the, the the first of all, the, it's interesting, like we've got the pitch timer stuff going, but the SEC, like they always are in baseball, are kind of, you know, a step ahead of everybody. And, you know, the SEC's got some even other rules that are really interesting to me. Like, I, I you know, the coach in me doesn't love the 10 run rule because, you know, it's at bats for freshmen, it's innings for freshmen, but the the fan in me you know, the 10 run rule is kind of cool, right? It's like you're adding drama to a game that's basically over. Um, and so, and, you know, in theory, you're shortening what if, what are, what is a bad game? Um, you know, the, the stuff like, Hey, mound visits going to be 30 seconds. I love that. Um, you know, it doesn't really need to be any more pitching changes. You got two and a half minutes to get your warm up pitches in and then we're done stuff like that. You know, the, the, I've seen a bunch of games already and I'll, I'll tell you, I went into the pitch timer stuff kind of kicking and screaming and I haven't hated it so far to be perfectly honest. What I, the, the things I don't like is, hey, our preseason umpire calls for broadcasters, it's like we're spending an hour on all the nuances of the pitch timer. And you're just like, man, what are we even doing here? But watching it play out, I haven't hated it. You know, I, I think the teams that are using the technology, the pitchers that have pitch calm on their wrists are at a huge advantage. The people trying to kick it old school, I worry about them. I worry about I was in favor of a very aggressive pitch timer with no one on base. It's when there's runners on base that I get really anxious where the pitchers just got a lot on their plate. But all that said, I I just think it's really important that players and coaches dive into the deep end of the pool, because what's going to happen, Chris, as you know, is we're going to get to May and June and things are going to get really tense and if you don't have, you know, if, if you you haven't been fire tested with this pitch timer stuff, it, it's going to impact some games in a negative way. And nobody wants that. The umpires don't want that. Coaches don't want that. Players don't want that. So, you know, I, I, I still think there's parts of the pitch timer I'd like to do differently. But all that said, it, 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 there are benefits to it. And it's just really important. I just don't want to see it affect a postseason game. And I'm worried that it's going to. Yeah, I would agree, Mike. Embrace it now and get used to it because, again, what we saw in, like, the Braves-Red Sox spring mm-hmm. training, and I'm hoping that's kind of one of those things where it's like, hey, we're more so trying to make a point while the games don't count. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, obviously, you just can't imagine. You can't even fathom the postseason playoffs, that type of scenario. Like, nobody can fathom that. So, hopefully, it's one of those things where it's like it'll click early on. 
Um, getting specifically, Mike, to the Gamecocks and Gamecocks baseball, you know, I've listened and tuned into a lot of you guys' content. Again, like I mentioned, you guys do an incredible job at D1 Baseball and the SEC extra stuff you're doing now as well. But, uh, you know, I've heard you speak on the South Carolina baseball program, and, and you talk to anybody, we're, we're all aware of the – the pressures that Mark Kingston faces this year and getting counter baseball going counter baseball fans. They're as passionate as any in the sec have high expectations. I've heard you speak on those expectations before. And maybe that, you know, to be fair, sometimes can they get a little unrealistic? People expect Omaha every year. I mean, even if you're the best of the best, best program in the country, it's just not going to happen every year. Tennessee, I would argue one of the best college baseball teams we've ever seen. They don't even make it to Omaha. It's very, mm-hmm. very hard your overall thoughts on just the Gamecocks baseball program as a whole, because the expectations are sky high, but I think to your point, some things I've heard you say before, there is a bit of a balance. So like, where do you fall when you evaluate the program? And I guess the pressures that surround it. Yeah, I think it's, um, it's tricky. You know, it's like, um, you know, coach Tanner, to your point, sets such a high bar, right? Like, you know, the three straight Omaha's 2002, three and four. Although if we look closely, it took coach Tanner a little bit to get to Omaha, right? Like it wasn't, it wasn't like coach Tanner, who I think is one of the greatest of all time. And one of my favorite people um, in college sports, it wasn't like coach Tanner rolled into Columbia and all of a sudden, you know, the Gamecocks are going to Omaha. Like it was, it was, it was a fight to get there, right? Like there were, there were a lot of heartbreaks along the way. You know, I think the biggest problem is the 2010 to 2012, you know, that three-year period, Honestly, Chris, I don't think we're ever going to see that again. Like, mm-hmm. you're in the finals three straight years. I don't even know if that's possible in today's college baseball. Um, I don't know if it's possible to be one of the top two teams in the SEC three straight years, let alone in the country. Um, so, you know, I, I think, you know, I'll, I'll put a cap on that part of my thought with this. Like, think think about, think about college baseball, Chris, in the SEC, where if Arkansas catches that foul pop-up, the SEC has the last five national champions in college baseball. And I don't, I don't say that to take anything away from Oregon State. Those Oregon State teams in 2017 and 2018 were remarkable. I mean, those kids are thriving in the big leagues already. But Arkansas catches that pop-up. The SEC wins, wins five straight national titles, five different teams, and none of those teams were LSU or Tennessee, who are on a different planet right now. So all, all that to say... What I've worried about the South Carolina fan base is the expectations had were so high and the program was kind of resetting itself and it, you know, it started to get a little negative. And, you know, there was accusations of South Carolina fans being really rough on South Carolina players and, you know, almost like where it's a disadvantage for South Carolina as a program. Now, that could be exaggerated, and, you know, that can be used by coaches in recruiting. So I, I don't know. Like, I'm not at all the games. I don't know. It's it's hard for me to comment on that. But I do think it's a very important year for South Carolina baseball because I think Mark Kingston's an excellent coach. And, you know, obviously it hasn't gone as well as King would want it to go. But they have been to a super. They've been to a couple regionals. They hosted a regional. And I think this year's team has Omaha raw materials but I just I think it's an important year for South Carolina baseball to just, you know, like have a more positive vibe around it. 
um, in, instead of the the gnashing of teeth. And again, I'm 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 offering comments from a distance. Maybe I'm being overly. Maybe I'm being too critical of my perception of this scenario. But I would say that if there's a if there's a chance to kind of circle the wagons and come together for South Carolina baseball and its fan base. This is the year because this team is excellent. Mike, just to provide some perspective to what you were talking about, that run 10 to 12, 22 consecutive NCAA tournament wins. I don't think we'll ever see that mark snapped. I mean, just no way. Those teams couldn't lose. Those teams couldn't lose. Speaking on this year's ball club, Mike, again, you mentioned the importance of the year for Mark Kingston. And again, of course, We've talked with Aaron Fit. We've talked with Kyle Peterson, and now we have yourself on the show. And I think it's really intriguing and interesting, and you're already seeing it pay off major dividends. The way that Mark Kingston has built this ball club for this season, sort of taking that Texas A&M route, where like last year the Aggies, you know, they went 9-21 and the year prior. Schlossnagel's a new coach, and, and people are looking at him building through the portal, saying, is this going to work? Are they going to click? And, well, they won the SEC West. They went to Omaha. So I think it went pretty well. So right. South Carolina felt like, hey, let's copy, let's pace, let's get some veteran guys. We know we have to improve offensively. You look at Will McGillis from Southern Miss. You look at Gavin Cassis from Vandy. You look at Caleb Denny from Oral Roberts. These are all everyday guys already. Jacob Compton from Memphis, who is injured right now, that I think once he gets back, he's going to figure in the lineup as well. And then you look at that pitching staff, and they added Nick Proctor from Cal, and unfortunately Ricky Williams, who is out for the year with Tommy John. But an elite pitching staff. Just talk about – you know, this this ball club and the way that Mark Kingston has built it. And obviously, you know, it starts with the pitching with this team, but, you know, adding those veteran sticks out of the portal and using the transfer portal, similar to what Texas A&M did, was a big point of emphasis. And it's also a reason why you guys were so high on South Carolina in the preseason. And again, you're seeing it already pay off major dividends. Yeah, and I would say, you know, I'm going to sound like Mark Kingston's agent here. So apologies in <laughs> advance, I suppose. But, you know, it's like I think my perception of King when he got to South Carolina was that they were going to spend a lot of money on pitching, try to assemble a, you know, because, again, we have a salary cap in college baseball. I mean, not counting NIL. It's really kind of hard to gauge that. But scholarship wise, we have a salary cap. And my perception is that King and his staff decided, hey, we're going to go big on pitching and because South Carolina's got a brand in baseball and you guys can kind of get north and south, right? Like you can get players from the northeast. You know, um, I'm thinking of Christian Walker, you guys, Evan Marzilli, you know, the um, you guys can get players from the south. Um, so kind of piece the position player group together. Well, that doesn't work when you have injuries on the mound, right? And, and that's been part of the issue. This year, the pitching knock on wood has been healthy and it looks dominant and the thing I would say that I like what the South Carolina coaching staff has done is they've been quick adopters to the transfer portal. And, you know, I, I don't it's not like they're you know, I, I don't want to be pejorative towards Kentucky, but Kentucky's been really, really heavy in the portal. I mean, South Carolina is probably just right there behind them. But I think, hey, it's a way to have an old position player group. You've got a kid, a lot of kids with a ton of at bats. Uh, you know, I, I look at programs like UCLA and Louisville where they've chosen not to participate in the portal and and for good reasons because they have these elite freshman classes they don't want to bury those kids behind you know transfers coming in but I I I think that's a good thing that South Carolina has been a quick adopter to the portal and you kind of figure it out from there it's a long way of saying that this is a team that looks the part I you know I haven't seen them yet Chris so I'd be curious if you would disagree with this thought I would say I wish the position player group was a little bit more athletic. Mm -hmm. It still feels to me like a very physical, 
um, not very fleet of foot position player group. I wish there was a little bit more quick twitch in there, but I haven't seen him yet. So I'm kind of taking a guess on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're fair in saying that. I will say, I think they're running Braylon Wimmer a lot more from what I've seen early in the season. Mm-hmm. It feels like he has two or three stolen bases a night. So, yeah, in regards to, like, number of guys, I, I don't think it's a lineup you're necessarily going to look at and say it's a bunch of speed demons that are going to play small ball and, and just, you know, speed kills on the bases. But I, I think you have enough. I think you have enough there. I mean, you've obviously got the – which is what's so interesting, Mike, from everything I heard in the preseason – you know, people had told me, you know, they're not hitting a lot of home runs. It's probably not going to be like this power lineup. It's going to be a bunch of guys that – Monty Lee talked about this actually in his in his media availability this week, but it's going to be a bunch of guys that grind out at bats and find ways on. And then all you do is hit 14 home runs the first weekend, and it's like, okay, right. there's the home runs. There's your power. And I think – so I think power has been a surprise for them, and I think you're probably going to continue to see it. I mean, the way – you know, the pop that McGillis has, Cassis has, Cole Messina has – um, you know, even Denny has a lot of guys have shown you some promise there. So, uh, but I would agree with you. I don't think it's necessarily a, a speed demon type of lineup by any means, but I do think they're using the guys that have that athleticism. I think they're getting really creative without using or just giving them chances to run. Really, we'll see if that continues this weekend against Clemson. You know what's what's interesting, Mike? Though, is like when when you talk about, I know it's so tough, like for you guys or for anybody to make predictions in baseball because. The I feel like in football, like the best teams, it, it's it, there's a gap. It just there's a separation. I know even you said LSU Tennessee, but it's like the margins in baseball are so razor thin because there's so many good players. And so like I look at South Carolina, and it's like where will they fall? And you know I picked them to go 15 and 15 in SEC play, which I tell people all the time that's a really good season. Like you're a good team, yeah, you're a damn good team. If you go 15 and 15 or better in conference play. But I will say to the Gamecocks' advantage, I mean, Mike, and we've had this this feeling, you know, all year going into the season, if they can just hit it all, they can hit it all and they can stay healthy on the bump, they've got the arms. I mean, you roll out mm-hmm. Sanders, Hall, Mahoney, I will put that up against anybody in the SEC. No question. Yeah, and and I think and it kind of ties into my speed comment. I'm actually, it, it, you know, I'm not interested necessarily in South Carolina stealing bases. I just want them to be athletic enough to play defense behind that pitching staff. I just don't want seven DHs behind that pitching staff, you know, and, and that, that I I'm not saying that's the case. I'm really interested to see those kids play, but you're right. This pitching staff, that's why, you know, again, you can imagine for us at D one baseball, we caught a lot of heat for ranking South Carolina ahead of time, not because people didn't like South Carolina's team, Chris, but because of the teams you have to leave out to rank South Carolina and Alabama, to rank South Carolina and Alabama, you got to leave out teams like Florida State, Oklahoma, who was the national runner-up, Mississippi State, Auburn, who's been to Omaha two out of the last three years. I mean, you, you run out of spots fast, and so I, I'm with you. Like, I think this is a dynamite pitching staff. I, hey, South Carolina's got 33 hit by pitch already this year. That's four a game, and that that shows me that you've got a team that's on the same page. There's a toughness there. There's a hunger there. You know, the teams that are disconnected and disinterested, they don't get hit by a pitch because that, that they, they don't have time for that. So, you know, they're controlling the strike zone. The, the, the hit by pitch and the walks are way ahead of the strikeouts right now. Um, you know, it's an exciting – it's interesting. Hey, you know, I know Penn is not the sexiest opponent – but Penn also swept AM, or not swept, but took a series from AM on the road last year, who was an Omaha team. So 
I, yeah, you know, th- this weekend we'll learn a little bit more. Um, we'll keep learning more. I think you're right about the SEC. If you can just hold down the fort in the SEC, go 15 and 15, you're off and running. And we all know this. If you're an SEC team that gets to the postseason, you got a chance at Omaha. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, and, and speaking on this season, that Penn team, by the way, I, I don't want to necessarily crown them as like they should be in the top 25, but, you know, I had some Gamecock fans that were that were sort of raising concern. I'm like, listen, I watched that team. They're good. <laughs> they're good. They're good. Like they're, they were a borderline at-large team last year. They almost yeah, – they, yeah, they were almost in the Columbia, conversation. I think in the tournament yeah. twice to get knocked out, but and their RPI was mid-40s, low-50s, and I, I heard them talking about they've got a couple of guys that are – transferring to Virginia Tech and Duke next year and some ACCs. I mean, they've got, you know, Wyatt Hensler, third-team All-American. I mean, I you know, D1Baseball.com, the preseason mm-hmm. player of the year and pitcher of the year were both on Penn's team. So, yep. obviously pretty decent. But either way, Gamecocks, one of nine teams, one of the last nine unbeatens in college baseball, which is an impressive feat. But uh, like you mentioned, Mike, it'll get, it'll get real, real fast, and it'll really start this weekend – with the rivalry series, you know, Mike, at the top of the show, I said it's the best rivalry in college baseball. I'm a little biased. I, I know there's some other schools out there, and, you know, Mississippi State, Ole Miss is a great example. There's some others that would argue, but, you know, I'll, I'll just kind of ask you, because in the reason we we feel that way and we say that, I mean, you think about, again, the Ray Tanner versus Jack Leggett, those mm-hmm. Carolina and Clemson teams, top 10. I mean, it was just like elite baseball every year. But, you know, when you think South Carolina versus Clemson, is is there anything that stands out to you? Again, you've been covering and talking baseball for a long time. These teams have met in the postseason. They've met in Omaha. You think of the history tradition. Uh, just what stands out to you in regards to the overall rivalry on the diamond? Yeah, I would say the two things that jump out for me, the first thing you just mentioned, you know, like Jack Leggett and Ray Tanner are two of the most well-respected coaches we've had in our game in the last 40 years. And for them, for the rival to be rivalry, you know, the, these are guys that don't get in dust ups with other coaches. Like I'm going to pick on Tony Vitello right now. Like if, you know, Tony Vitello and Corbs got into a tiff in a Vandy Tennessee series, you know, like I, we would all yawn, right? Like we would all be like, well, of course. Right. The but, course. Yeah. Right. But for Ray Tanner and Jack Leggett to get into it, that to me tells you how intense this series is and you know it's so intense that they move the games around the fan bases are into it the the, there's Omaha history like significant Omaha history to this rivalry um which makes it even greater so I think those are the things that that make it such a big deal is that the, the the two Hall of Fame coaches that competed against each other two fan bases that are so passionate um and you know so it just yeah, like I, I would agree with you. Like to pick the greatest rivalry in college baseballs, you know that that's maybe a fool's errand. You know, you can get yourself into trouble doing that. But if you're going to have that conversation, you can't have it accurately without South Carolina Clemson as part of that conversation. Yeah, you speak to the dramatics of Tanner and Leggett, and I just think back. It's it's a funny moment. Who can forget 2011 when Coach Leggett accuses South Carolina of heating up the bats and Jackie Bradley Jr. and those guys? Not that they needed to, but. And uh, Ray Tanner d- did not take very kindly to it. So, <laughs> it Morty so Walker or any of the other guys. So yeah. th- those were those were fun matchups for sure, and obviously still the case. And this is a big one, you know, Mike, for, for South Carolina, I think specifically, obviously both sides, but for the Gamecocks. And, you know, it's it's you don't put all your chips into one series in March, right? I mean, the 2010 team, for example, they lost two of three to the Tigers, went on to win the national championship and beat them twice in Omaha when it really counted, right? But – I feel like this year with the pressures that surround Kingston and just the fact that you added 
Monty Lee to your staff, who I love Coach Lee. We love Coach Lee. He was a Gamecock first. I, you know, he's beloved. He's beloved. But the fact of the matter is the rival fired him, right? So, I mean, anytime you do that, and then you added three players in their roster, and they got a first-year head coach, Eric Backich over at Clemson, who I think is a fantastic head coach, and I think he's going to have tons of success. But in his first year, and it's really – it's interesting, you know, Mike, going in this weekend, it's like a tale of two programs right now. Clemson's lost four in a row. They get swept by UCF at home. There's the yeah. whole deal with UCF trolling them at the football stadium. And South Carolina is 9-0. and So, you know, we don't have to necessarily get into specifics because, again, like you mentioned, I mean, you, you you watch everybody covering the national side of things. I get how tough it is to keep up with all, all the names, all the teams. But when you look at this series, I mean, I, you know, Friday in Clemson, Saturday in Greenville at Floor Field, and then Sunday at Founders Park, I think there's actually a lot of pressure on the Gamecocks to get the job done mm-hmm. because – everybody's expecting them. And especially, too, didn't even factor this in, you got swept last year by Clemson. I think it was the first time it had happened since 1997. I mean, it had been a long time. So riding the ship, getting this one, I think it will win a lot of favor for Mark Kingston if they can take care of business this weekend. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think I think where my head's at, though, on this rivalry is more long-term. Like, you, you nailed it. Eric Bakich is an excellent coach. I mean, that was an incredible hire for Clemson. But I would tell you on paper, the South Carolina roster is way healthier than the Clemson roster. And I don't mean like injury health. I just mean like program building, getting things going in the right direction. I mean, obviously, Clemson will play well this weekend. I'd be shocked if they didn't because of the rivalry. But on paper, you can't compare the two rosters. South Carolina is significantly better. I would tell you, I think, I actually, uh, maybe I'm being a little overly positive here. I don't think South Carolina, I think no matter what happens, there's positives for them to take. I, I really trust this team for South Carolina. They're older. They've been through some things. They've got talent. They've got pitching. Even if they were to lose this series, I think that will be a great first punch for this team to take and move forward because you, you mentioned it earlier, Chris, at the end of the day, all that's going to matter for South Carolina is the sec because I'm, I'm presuming that they're not going to fall all over themselves in the non-conference because their pitching is so deep, but it's going to, you know, you know, all this pressure on Mark Kingston and that staff, et cetera, et cetera. It's all going to boil down to the sec. If they, they, they could sweep the series with Clemson. If they go 14 and 16 in the sec, it's kind of a waste of time, you know, but I think, this let's assume let's assume positives that hey king's got this thing going in a good direction the roster's in healthy shape this is a team that could do some big damage this is an important statement for kind of a new version of this rival under eric backage that hey like we're a little further down the road from you guys as far as building the program back up and and south carolina's south carolina's going to assert themselves in that way and I think you make great points, again, on the longevity and also for the rest of the season. I, you know, again, this one series does not define you, but uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, again, to watch an SEC mm-hmm. play and the competitiveness. And, I mean, it's what makes SEC baseball great. And on that note, Mike, uh, speaking on the league, is there anything to this point in the season that has surprised you? And, and I'll say this. I'm not a national guy, so I haven't dove into every single roster. I, I'll just speak from my vantage point. I'm just shocked how bad Mississippi State is. And I'm not, you know, it's so early in the season, but, like, they look bad, man. They they just look brutal. I, I, anyways, anyways, that just, you know, from checking scores and everything, that stands out. And also, and I thought this in the preseason, you know, everybody's going to talk LSU, Tennessee. Florida is really good. Florida's good. 
So what what is, is anything stood out to you? I mean, or, or what has stood out to you so early on? Again, we're just about nine or 10 games in. Yeah, I would say the, the league has shown some vulnerability, which is, which shock, it has kind of shocked me because, you know, you, you look at these SEC teams in the preseason, you almost feel like, man, they're all going to go undefeated until they play each other. But, you know, like I, I just watched Iowa kick LSU butt, and it, it wasn't a talent issue. I mean, LSU's got serious, serious talent. I mean, it's it's national championship raw materials. So I would say, you know, like I just, you, you know, you mentioned Mississippi State. Now they've, you know, they've, they've won three in a row with, you know, two against Maryland and one against, uh, or I'm sorry, I'm thinking about Ole Miss right now, winning the series at Maryland. Mississippi State won the final two games against Arizona State and then beat Southern Miss last night. So they're starting to, you know, like I'm shocked at how poorly Mississippi State has pitched, um, but it seems like their younger arms are out pitching their, 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 their better arms. Hey, I watched Grand Canyon beat Tennessee. So when you see these marquee SEC teams lose, you're almost in a state of shock. But I, I just know this, like last year I thought was kind of a down year for the SEC because so many pitchers got hurt and yet four teams from the West show up in Omaha. So you're like, I'm trying to I'm trying to temper myself that no matter what I see, we know these SEC rosters have, you know, they've got the best players in the country. The thing, you, you know, another overarching thought I got for you, Chris, is somebody somebody made this point to me the other day and it, it, it just struck me like right in between the eyes. What if Florida is this year's Tennessee? Like, remember, we didn't really know who Tennessee was until you looked up. I'll tell you when we knew who Tennessee was last year, when they went down to Ole Miss and just ran them off their own field. And you're like, dang, okay, like, this this is going to be a problem, right? Like, this is going to be a problem for people. And I'm starting to wonder if Florida is this year's Tennessee because, man, that team looks flat dominant. Yeah, I went to Lindsey Nelson last year, Mike. I think it was like the first SEC series, and I, we did not have a lot of fun. So, yeah, they, they, they disposed of us pretty easily in three games. It was not a good time. But, uh, yeah, that Tennessee team was incredible. And, again, Florida might be that group. And I think we all have our fingers crossed it might be South Carolina with a 9-0 start. But, uh, again, it's going to be interesting because, again, we've seen teams before that start out red hot and – uh, you know, you know, as well as I do, it's just a long season and, and baseball is a cruel game. And when you're hot, it's great. And my God, when you get cold, it'll just beat you to your knees and mm-hmm. make you beg for mercy. So hopefully, well said. hopefully there's not a whole lot of that. Mike, last thing before I get you out of here, when you look at the national college baseball landscape, I, I forgive me for not remembering who, who was your national champion and ha- have you, have you changed any picks based off what you've seen at this point? Ah, uh, you know, that's a good question. You know, it's one of the picks that I made that, um, that that you know we do those staff picks and the uh you know the I picked we didn't have how about this we had 11 teams in the NCAA tournament from the SEC and Georgia was not one of them I and, did and, notice that yeah and I was like man like they have such an old team and you know the I, so it's it very interesting you know the uh, you know I, I do I feel great about Georgia's pitching I don't know you know I, but I like their position player group the um, I'm trying to think, who did I pick for my national champion? I didn't want to pick LSU or Tennessee, mm-hmm. uh, and so I'm trying to think. I'm going to look it up really quick. I feel like it's so tough. Like when you're LSU and you're the anointed number one in the pre- like that. Baseball is just such a hard game without that pressure, and then you add that, and it's just I don't know. You know what I mean? It's it's. I mean, yeah. like last year, I told people all year that 
listen, Tennessee is the best team in college baseball. It is not a matter of that. It's a matter of are they playing their best baseball when it matters most. That's what it comes yeah. down to. No and like doubt. Ole Miss was playing the best. Were they the mm-hmm. best team in the SEC? Not really. I mean, no, they weren't. Yeah. They weren't at all. Yeah. They were 14 and 16 in league play, and they – they win it all, which, again, shows yeah. the depth of the conference. And Arkansas, two years ago, best team in the country by far, get clipped in the Super Regionals. And so, actually, I just saw my national champion was Oklahoma State. I purposely didn't pick an SEC team because I was – I just well, – Too I easy, wanted to, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's too easy, and it's like law of averages, and you're just like, hey, can the league really win every national championship in this sport every single year? And so um, – you know, I, I picked Oklahoma State. I really do like their team, and 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 the Big Twelve is obviously an excellent baseball conference. It's not nearly as deep as the the SEC, but um, I don't know, man. It's going to be so fun. I mean, it's just it's uh, it, there's so many good teams to your point, so many good players. Some of these teams are so old. You know, I saw Sam Houston State this weekend, and they're kind of like this year's Texas State with all these old players that can really hit. Um, so I don't, yeah, I can't wait. You know, it's like, it's, I feel like every week we're learning a little bit more and, and, um, you know, this weekend to your point about these, all these rivalry games, we'll learn a little bit more then too. Yeah. It's funny, Mike, the SEC has a way of, you feel like maybe it's a quote unquote down year for the conference. And then they put four of the eight teams in Omaha. So it's just, you know, Hey, our national champion was seven and 14 in the SEC last year with three weeks to play. They yeah. were seven and 14. They won the whole thing. They were doing a parade two months later. Yeah, I mean, South Carolina took two of three from them, so, and, and the Gamecocks didn't do anything. So it just goes to show you, man, baseball is a crazy game, but that's why we love it. Mike Rooney at D1Baseball.com. Mike, I appreciate you being gracious with your time. Uh, obviously looking forward to a fantastic season, and we'll be following along with you guys, all your coverage over at D1Baseball.com, and the SEC Extra stuff as well and all the initiatives you guys have going on. Keep up the great work, my friend. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. For Mike Rooney at D1Baseball, I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on the episode of the Spurs Up Show. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.